This is actually the last sermon in this series that we've been doing on the fruit of the Spirit. And if you have read much, Galatians chapter 5, um, verses 22 and 23 are kind of the launching pad verses because that's where they, that's where it lists it. So you have Paul writing to a church in Galatia, and this whole chapter he is he is kind of educating them about this war between the flesh and the spirit, right? And he said, if you just do everything your flesh wants you to do, then you are going to fulfill the lust of it, and here are the works of the flesh. And he lists this tragic life, this, these, these horrible results of just doing whatever you want. He said, but you could walk in the Spirit, and if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, and then you'll have this fruit evidenced in your life. And then he goes on in verses 22 and 23 in Galatians to list for, the, for them the, the nine fruit of the Spirit. And we, rather than do like nine weeks worth of a series, we broke these down into groupings of three because they seem to be like, like God-word fruit or God-word graces or God-word characteristics, and that would have been love, joy, and peace. And we covered that in the second week after we did the first week about walking in the Spirit. And then the next week, we said these seem to be more outward-focused or manward-focused fruit uh, or, or graces or characteristics, and that was long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. And then last week, we began the final three, and we said these are more inward graces or inward characteristics, faith, meekness, and temperance, and we got hung up on faith. And so we're continuing that this week, but kind of as a refresher, because here's what I love about these, when you group them like in threes like this, is, is they have this relationship with each other, right? You have, you have um, with, with faith, we're going to see in a little bit, that faith is, a, is an important ingredient in meekness and in temperance. It's like they all work together, because we tend to look at meekness as weakness, but meekness is strength. Meekness is not weakness. Now, we think of some synonyms of meekness as being gentleness or mildness, right? And I wouldn't argue with that. But here's what meekness is. Meekness is power under control. Or, or it's a quiet strength. So, to sum it up, basically, it's, it's much like gentleness, right? So, and I, and I say that understanding what the two meanings are, but we learned with gentleness that gentleness is, is something about you that makes other people feel at ease around you because they know you will be kind, right? They know you're going to be a kind person, so they feel at ease around you, all right? So you have this gentleness about you, but it doesn't mean that you're weak, what it does mean is that you're willing to let God do what God does. And you're willing to let God do what God can do with or without your help. And that takes strength to step back and let God be God. That's meekness. Some examples of this in the, New, in the Old Testament, the example that's given is, is Moses. Because it actually describes Moses as a man that was more meek than any person on the face of the earth. The great leader, Moses. And in the New Testament, it's, um, uh, they reference Jesus Christ as, as a meek individual. As a matter of fact, he said about himself, come unto me, right? Because I am meek 
and lowly in heart. So the idea is that Jesus Christ said of himself that I am a very meek individual. So to kind of help wrap my brain around this idea of meekness in our lives, I came up with maybe a list of characteristics that might be in someone's life who is a meek person, who demonstrates meekness. And that would be somebody, I think, who is humble, who is unassuming, who is patient, who is tolerant, who's unpretentious, maybe teachable. Okay? That's kind of what comes into my mind when I think of somebody who has a meek spirit. They don't know it all. And they are willing to let God be God in the situation. And then I drew some characteristics of somebody who maybe needs some meekness in their life. See if anybody sounds familiar. Arrogant, unyielding, impertinent, unteachable, unforgiving, or proud. So if those are characteristics of yourself, then let's, let's be truthful and say, okay, I need to work on this a little bit. I need to walk closer to the Holy Spirit so that these evidences show up in my life. The difference is that meekness relies on God rather than myself. And boy, that's a big pill to swallow, folks. Because to be honest with you, you could probably do a pretty good job. You could probably set them straight. I mean, there's a reason why it crossed your mind to say what you said or do what you want to do. But the truth of the matter is that God can just do a better job. So what meekness is saying, meekness is not saying, I am too weak to solve this problem. Meekness is having the strength to say, I trust God to handle it better than I can myself. I love this. Harry Thayer is a, is a Greek scholar, and he... He defined, if you will, meekness this way. It is that disposition of spirit in which we accept God's dealings as good without disputing or without resisting. It is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. And that's a mouthful. But that sums up what I'm feeling and what I'm sensing here about what meekness is. But do you see how faith, what we learned last week, is so necessary and important to live in a life full of meekness? Because it requires faith to let God do what God is going to do and back myself out of the situation. Meekness exercises faith that God has it handled and can do a better job than you. It's that dependence and trust on him that changes your spirit and produces meekness in your life. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says this. It says, of course, one of the most incredible passages of Scripture is is Proverbs, where the smartest man and some of the smartest men in the world jotted down these incredible thoughts and says this, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. That's significant. Not reacting. I know this is going to be horrible English to you English majors. Not reacting is not a sign of weakness. But you understand what I'm saying. It's a sign of strength and trust and faith. Because you could, but you don't. Because you trust God more than yourself. That's strength. That's meekness 
That's exercising faith. Now, I want to just kind of like put a little parentheses on this. It doesn't mean you're, you're, you're a continual doormat. All right? I'm not giving you permission to roll over constantly and just... All I'm saying is that just trust God to take care of it and be obedient to Him. I mean, so, so look at the beautiful example of Christ. Right? He did not let the Pharisees get away with manipulating His words. And he put them in their place. He did drive the money changers out of the temple. He cleansed the temple. So, I mean, I'm not saying that there's never any action required. I'm just saying living in a life in obedience to the Holy Spirit and walking with him, our first reaction should not be to take care of the problem ourselves. It ought to be to trust him to take care of it and then respond accordingly. And if that means action on our part, then so be it. What a beautiful example Jesus was in First Peter chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 23, Peter, of course, who was right there, right, when all of this was happening, says this about Christ. When, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. The Son of God, who had the ability to call upon his Father, And as we learn in, I think it's Matthew 26, where Peter cut off the ear of the soldier or the servant, Jesus said, put that away. Don't you know that if I wanted to, I could call my heavenly father and he would send 10,000 angels to rescue me? That's meekness. That's power under control. Because he had a greater purpose. He knew why he was here. Meekness simply allows God to handle it. Meekness says, I could handle this on my own, and I think I could do a pretty good job. I just think God can do a better job. So could I encourage you to do this? We learned this the first week when it came to walking with the Spirit. One of the most significant things you can do in life is just to pause. Before you act, pause. Consider what it is the Holy Spirit would have you do in that situation. And I think that's incredibly important when it comes to meekness. And then this last, I really hate to say that, this last fruit that we're going to talk about. I've loved the series. That would have been a great opportunity for you to, like, agree with me. I'm just saying, that would, it, it really would have, like, I, I love this series, and you all would have been like, yeah! But it didn't happen. You missed the moment. But I really have loved this series because it, to me, it's not just about, okay, I think I, have, I think I have love in my life. I think I have faith. I think I have joy. It's not like this checklist that, okay, I'm really working on this, really working hard. It's getting to know the Holy Spirit. And as you get to know the Holy Spirit, it affects your life. And you become obedient to him and realize, oh, I need to react this way. And it helps your relationship with your wife and with your kids and with your coworkers and with those in your sphere of influence. And a difference is noticed and, and transformation starts to happen because you're living life with the Holy Spirit. And it's happening and it's working and it's making a difference and it's exhibited. And the fruit of that relationship are these nine beautiful graces that we need to have in our lives. And the last one we're going to cover is this thing, temperance. And I, you, talk about, you talk about a non-21st century word. Temperance, when we think about temperance, we think of the temperance movement. 
Remember that, where they outlawed alcohol and everything else like that? So a lot of your Bibles probably have it translated as self-control. But I feel like temperance just takes it to a different level. And I think, I think the reason self-control works for us is because that's a more commonly understood term. But if we look at the word temperance, and what it, what it really meant and, and, and the significance of it, I think you'll appreciate that word for what it is when they translated it temperance from the Greek back like four or 500 years ago. But the, temperance, the word temperance comes from a Greek word kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S, and it means strength. Now this, so, so you're going to learn something a little bit here because, because temperance is not just saying no, right? It's, it's temperance is this inner strength that you have that literally means to hold one's self in. Like I can hold this in. I can, I can keep myself from doing this. That Greek scholar Thayer, he defines it this way. It is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions and appetites. So two thoughts I had about this. So when it comes to like resisting temptation or, or, or exhibiting self-control in my life, there's two words that came to mind. One is moderation, right? Moderation, like I, I'm, I'm, it's not a bad thing, so, so it's okay if I participate, but it's just, you know, I got to be careful with that because I know what it can do to me and I have to be very careful. So um, like what, what, um, what movie rating, what movie rating is acceptable for you? Right? So, it got really quiet. You know, so how many people get shot until it's like, okay, that's just enough, right? So, how many cuss words and which ones? Right? So, it's like, um, um, that, that's moderation. So, it's, and it's going to be different for everybody. Because there are things, and, okay, food, the same way. It's like, it's like, just about anything is okay, but, but, you know, too much of anything is not good, right? So moderation. So that's the first word that came to my mind when I thought of temperance and how do we practically apply this is, is just moderation in life. But then the other word, you got to have it, and that's abstinence. I mean, you, there are just some things that you just cannot enjoy, right? It's just, they, you, they just have, they're, they're evil, that you just cannot go there. And so we have these two words, moderation and abstinence. So I created this little definition. Temperance means abstinence from all that is evil, okay, and moderation in all that is good. And I don't know what that means for you, but, but here's what it means for me, is that there are some things in my life that I have to say absolutely no to, right? I mean, I'm a married man. There are some things I have to say absolutely no to. All right, but there are like like there are other areas of my life that might be okay for me to enjoy in moderation, but you would have a hard time with that. Are you okay with that? Because I'm okay if there's some things that you can enjoy in moderation that I can't, and I think that's this liberty that we get to enjoy, and that's why you have the Holy Spirit telling you what to do, and I have the Holy Spirit telling me what to do. Now, there I know this: the Holy Spirit would never contradict Scripture. And so if the, if the Bible says this is it, you cannot do this, then that's abstinence. That's, that's absolutely, you cannot do that. But there are some things that maybe I can participate in in moderation that I think God's okay with and it doesn't hurt me that you may not. 
Are you okay with that? And I hope so because that means there are some probably things that you do or movies that you go to or things that you say that I would have a hard time with. And I have to trust the fact that you are living in obedience to the Holy Spirit and that you are walking in the Spirit and that your lifestyle is a result of this relationship. And so the decision that you made to go watch that or the decision that you made to say that is a result of the fact that you feel like the Holy Spirit's okay with that. I think what we're talking about is living life on, on purpose, right? So it's like, like I'm in control and, and I feel like the decisions that I'm making line up with what I feel makes God happy and that God's okay with. That's temperance. Temperance isn't everybody doing the same thing and behaving the same way. How boring would that be? Temperance is you got the Holy Spirit, I got the Holy Spirit, and I got to listen to that, and I'm accountable to God for it. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this, He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So you think about, you think about this. So we, <laughs> this is not a political statement. We build walls. around cities, like in the Old Testament. Man, I feel like I just am like in a landmine field right now. And like, I'm like. Right? I'm 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 a minesweeper. So. But, like, they built walls around cities because, because what was inside that city was worth protecting. Okay? And it was worth the effort to build these walls. The Bible says <laughs> it was worth the effort to build these walls because whatever was inside the wall was worth protecting. The Bible says. So no boundaries, no protection, right? Okay, maybe guardrails would be a better illustration. We're on a journey and we don't want to go off. But wall building is hard work. But it is work that is worth the effort because whatever is inside the walls is worth protecting. So in our personal lives, you say no to stuff because saying no gives you a better quality of life or gives you a stronger marriage or makes you a better dad. So I am displaying temperance in my life and I'm saying no to certain things, not just because they're bad, but because if I allow them in, it's going to have a negative effect on, effect on those I love and in my relationship with God, and so I say no to them. So here's the truth. Temperance sometimes is saying no to some things that are bad while saying yes to a higher good. So it's like I'm saying no to something, not necessarily because it's not good, but because saying no is gooder. 
Okay? I said that just to you English majors. So, like, I'm not saying it's wrong to, to have that in your home. I'm just saying if you didn't have it, it would be better for your family. That's temperance. Does that make sense? It's like, so, so, and that's why it's such an individual thing. That's why it's the Holy Spirit, right? So you're walking with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is, is confirming some of these things to you. And so in the area of temperance, I think it's incredibly critical that this is something that you have confidence about. So just to show you the difference that the word temperance has today. So um, the Greek theologian Benjamin Franklin He says this, and this is, you know, so this is only like, what, I I don't know, 150 years after the King James was written, and he says this, he says, temperance puts wood on the fire. So I thought about that. I was like, okay, so how is that? Oh, I see. So the effort was put in ahead of time to cut the tree down and chop the wood and say no to some things and other activities. So that whenever we needed wood on the fire later, we have wood to put on the fire. You see what he's saying? And even if you don't think that's what he's saying, just agree with me because that's how I figured it out. Okay, thank you. So, so he's saying, okay, so temperance puts wood on the fire. In other words, you, you showed temperance in your life and were willing to build the walls. You were willing to do what it takes to get you some wood for the winter. And then he says this, he said, it puts meal in the barrel. It puts flour in the tub, money in the purse, credit in the country, contentment in the house, clothes on the back, and vigor in the body. The reason he is saying that is because when you show temperance in your life, you do the right things at the right time for the right reason, and you end up with a better quality of life because you said no to some things that might not have been bad, but you just, they weren't good enough. And so you're saying yes to things that are good or that's what he's saying. A great example of the Okay, so temperance involves every aspect of our lives. It means mastering your moods, watching your words. And yes, I did this alliteration for you. Mastering moods. You see that? Eminem. Watching your words restraining your reactions, thank you very much, sticking to a schedule, managing your money, and then I just gave up, (laughs) maintaining your health. But it's like every area of your life needs temperance. And so here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is communicate with the Holy Spirit in your life, walk in the Spirit, And then as he starts showing you things in your life that you need to control better, that you need to show temperance in, respond accordingly. Sometimes it's going to require abstinence. I can't have any of that. All right, let me just be real with you. All right. My diet is one of those things. Okay. I'd like to say I'm on a a yo-yo, but I can't even say that. I'm more like just yo It's like there's no other yo. It's just like I'm yo. That's it. So like here I am. I'm just yo. And 
And it's like for me, so I'll go on one diet, and it happens every time. It's like a super strict, abstinent-type diet. Like, I will not have any of that. Or I'm going to do this for three days. And so it's like this this thing that I do, and it's like complete, and it just doesn't ever work because you get into it, and you're like, so this, and then I get really philosophical. I simply can't sustain this lifestyle. <laughs> I need a diet that I can sustain for a longer period of time because I didn't put this weight on overnight, and I'm going to take it off overnight. That's my life. So it's like I'm always on this roller coaster ride, right? And, but but that's, 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 that's one of the biggest weaknesses of my life, and I'm just being really vulnerable here. It really is. And it's like, man, I just wish I could figure this out. And, and all my wonderful friends who are physically fit, I love you. <laughs> I just don't get it, right? So it's like, and I just, I'm so envious sometimes, which is not even addressed in any of the fruit of the Spirit, so I'm okay. <laughs> but, it, but it's like, I, it's like I, I get it, and I think I know how to do it. So that's like this area. But what is your area? Right? So I can only assume that if you're physically fit, then it must be something worse <laughs> that you're working on. So, 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 uh, <laughs> so what you're going to do is you're going to come to me and you're going to say, I can help you with that, Eric. And I'm going to say, all right, what do we need to help you with? <laughs> right? So, but it's like this, this whole idea of walking in the Spirit is like this holistic, whole life thing that God just wants to make your life worth living. I didn't, so, so let me just be transparent. When I got saved as a nine-year-old boy, I went, to, I went to a tent revival meeting in Anniston, Alabama. A gentleman was preaching by the name of Lee Castro. And he preached on the fires of hell. And I got born again. And I don't mean to be offensive, but I think he literally scared the hell out of me. Because I got saved and I entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ because I did not want to go there. So I went forward with my sister. And I, he took the Bible and showed me how I could know for sure that I was a child of God, and I believe as a nine-year-old boy, May 16th, 1976, that I got saved. I got born again. But the purpose of that relationship that began there was not just to keep me out of hell. The purpose of it was to give me this incredible life worth living now. And that the kingdom of God and this kingdom life is something that we can enjoy and affect others, and just do life better because we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And yet so many of us have that moment when that happened, and we are, we're saved, and we know that we're a child of God, and it's like we're just living life like everybody else and doing what everybody else does, but we know when we die we have fire insurance, and we're going to go to heaven. But we're missing it because we have, we have this incredible Holy Spirit living inside of us and this incredible relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us in Galatians, if you walk in the Spirit, you don't have to fulfill all the lusts of the flesh. That You can have this incredible life that's full of love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness. And I can't remember them all. 
That's what we get to enjoy. So my question is this, like, what is the next thing for you? Like, what is it that you can't get away from? Because I believe this. I believe that if you ask, he'll tell you. I believe if you communicate with the Holy Spirit, he'll respond. I believe that if you, if you express an interest, he will fill the need. So you might be visiting with us today and you're like, okay, I'm not even sure what that means. I don't even know what, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what a relationship with Christ looks like. Let me tell you what your next step is. Your next step is to enter into that relationship. If you have already done that at some point in your life and you can, you can, you remember the moment or you can, or you, you have the assurance that that happened, then, then, man, I'm so happy for you. You're, you're a child of God. Now what? There's always something. There's always like a next step. There's always some other act of faith. Colossians chapter two, verse six, one of my favorite verses. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. So it took faith. It took a sense of helplessness. I can't say myself. It was all of God and none of Eric, right? All I have, my, my, my responsibility was to, to call out and to ask, right? So as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. So the fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist for the believer. It is a, res- it is a result of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. But it does take work. You've got you to watch yourself. But I believe this. I believe that, that as we yield ourselves and as we become obedient and as we ask the questions, like, what next? What, what, am I, what am I missing this time? What, how can I help that relationship? I believe he'll answer. And that's called growth, right? That's like, that's growing up as a Christian. That's producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful and grateful for the way that you just don't stop working on us and that, and that, you, are that you are that patient father. You are that, that, uh, that continual influence in our lives that wants to take us to the next level in our relationship with you. And I pray, Father, that if there is somebody here this morning trying to figure it out and you're on the edge of your seat right now, wanting them to come and enter into a relationship with you. And I pray, Father, that they would take that step and help us as your children, as your sons and daughters, to enjoy more so this relationship that we get to have with you as we yield ourselves and listen to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.